continue our study in the book of Genesis. Today we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 26. Genesis chapter 26. Last week we kind of briefly heard about Jacob and Esau, the birth and the, the back and forth, the fight between and the fight inside the womb of um, Rebecca. That Jacob has now has been given a birthright for his brother from a bowl of stew. Uh, now I'm going to move back towards Isaac now, uh, in the life of Isaac. And then we're going to pick back up here in the following weeks on the story of Jacob and Esau. So let me read before us the text today and see if the Lord is going to see if the Lord blesses um, with this word today to be encouraged for us, all of us to be encouraged today. So Genesis chapter 26, starting at verse 1. Now there was a famine in the land. That should sound familiar. Now there was a famine in the land besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Gerar, to Abimelech, the king of the Philistines. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt, the well in the land of which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and to your offspring I will give all these lands, and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham your father. I will multiply your offsprings as the stars of heaven, and will give to your offsprings all these lands, and in your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments and my statutes and my law. So Isaac settled and girl. When the men of the place asked him about his wife, he said, she is my sister. For he feared to say, my wife, thinking lest the men of the place shall kill me because of Rebecca, because she was attractive in appearance. When he had been there a long time, Abimelech, the king of the Philistine, looked out of the window and saw Isaac laughing with Rebecca, his wife. So Abimelech called Isaac and said, Behold, she is your wife. How then could you say she is my sister? Isaac said to him, Because I thought, lest I die because of her. Abimelech said, What is this you have done to us? One of the people might easily have lain with your wife, and you would have brought guilt upon us. So Abimelech warned all the people, saying, Whoever touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Look at verse 12. And Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. The Lord blessed him, and the man became rich and gained more and more until he became very wealthy. He had possession of flock and herds, many servants, so that the Philistine envied him. And now the Philistine had stopped and filled with earth all the wells that his father's servant had dug in the land then the days of Abraham, his father. And Abimelech said to Isaac, Go away from us, from you, for you are much mightier than we. So Isaac departed from there and encamped in the valley of the Gerar and settled there. And Isaac dug again the wells of the water that had been dug in the days of Abraham, his father, which the Philistines had stopped after the death of Abraham. And he gave them the name that his father had given them. Verse 19. But when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there 
at Will Spring Water, the herdsman of girl quarreled with Isaac, herdsman, saying, the water is ours. So he called the name of the well Essek, because they contended with him. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that also to the also, so he called the name Sitna. And he moved from there and dug another well, and they did not quarrel over it. So he called his name Rehoboth, saying, For now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful to the land, in the land. From there he went up to Bathsheba, and the Lord appeared to them, to him, and saying night, the same night, and said, I am the God of Abraham, your father. I need my glasses, y'all. Fear not, for I am with you and will bless you and multiply your offspring for my servant, Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servant dug a well. Let me stop there um, in the text, and we're going to finish off with how we're going to learn about how Isaac and Abraham are going to make a Isaac and Abimelech are going to make a covenant. We're going to hear about Esau here shortly. Let me pray for us and ask the Lord to bless us. Our Father God, in heaven, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Um, Lord, your word gives life. Lord, but we read a lot about some stuff that happened in the past. But Lord, the stuff that happened in the past, Lord, still resonates to us today. Your word gives life. And your word is profitable right now. So give your word to us and build us up right now. Encourage us in your word. Enrich us in your word at this moment, Lord. Bless us right now in your word. A lot of us in here are like, what does Rebecca and Abraham have to do with Christ? Well, what does Isaac and Rebecca have to do with Christ? Lord, this test has a lot to do with Christ. This test is needed in the Christian walk. So, Lord, we ask you, Lord, to bless us in this word at this time. Encourage us in your word at this time. In Christ, let me pray. Amen. One of the things that, for me, as I was growing up, uh, that I struggled with is trying to distinguish between a crocodile and an alligator. And still today, I don't know the difference. If I saw a crocodile on this side of the room, I saw an alligator on this side of the room, I would say, look at both of those alligators. I don't know the difference. I have struggled with trying to tell the difference between the two. When I was young over at UFB, I don't know if you guys remember this, at UFB, over at the, at the Fisher's department on the campus, if you have to be, they used to have these big old birds on campus. I don't know if you guys remember that. Some of y'all remember that, big old birds. And they looked just like ostrich. They had like six or seven ostriches like walking around, but there wasn't ostriches. I think that was called Rias, R-E-R-H-E-S. They looked just like them. And they mirrored the ostriches, ostriches I can't say it. But another thing, too, I struggled with as a kid to determine, distinguish. One of my favorite animals, my favorite animal is a cheetah. I don't know why. I guess I thought I was fast as a cheetah growing up. Mm. But the cheetah was always my favorite animal. But I always had a hard time distinguishing between a cheetah and a leopard. A leopard. A leopard. And as I got older, I was able, Lena was able to take me to her class. Alina was able to determine the different spots. How did they look? 
But I always struggle with trying to determine between an alligator crocodile, an ostrich, and a rias, if I'm not saying the name right, and also a cheetah and a leopard. The reason I brought that up today is, in our story today, very similar in the life of Abraham and also in the life of Isaac. Family lives look so similar. We are read, I just read a couple of verses of the similarities. We will talk about here shortly. Abraham lied about his wife, about his sister. Isaac lied about his wife and sister. Sarah was barren. Rebecca was barren. Very similar. But I'm going to say one more thing that's very similar. Isaac and Abraham's life is very similar to our lives. Lee, they struggle. Lee, we struggle. Rod, they struggle. We struggle. The same things we saw them do is the same things we do. Hmm. They got fearful, demire, we get fearful. What we're going to learn here in this text that Abraham and Hazen is not a superhero. Family, you're not a superhero either. It's one that is a true superhero throughout the scriptures, and but he was a suffering servant. And that's Jesus Christ. He's the only one that was so different from all the characters that we learned about in the scriptures. Abraham gave in, Isaac gave in, Jacob gave in, family you gave in, family Jesus prevailed. So what do we get a story like this for? A lot of times people say, well, I go to church and the old preacher, he's talking about, well, Jesus died on the cross. We're tired of hearing about cross. Or we're tired of hearing about all these stories about how David hit him with a slingshot. They tell, all the old time stories don't relate to a family they do. The old stories in the Bible family are probable for us for the rest of our lives. Even if the Lord don't come back for another 20,000 years. The same stories in the Bible are the same stories that still give life. God's word doesn't get old. It still gives life. And we're going to learn about the character of God for weak people. So how are we going to do it today? Tomorrow we're going to do it in eight points. It's going to be a short sermon, sister, but we're going to do it in eight points. Eight points we're going to be able to see, but the title is going to be Isaac Mirrors the Life of Abraham. Isaac mirrors the life of Abraham. And I don't want to throw us in this story, but as we go through this text, family, we're going to see the fearful nature of both of these guys. And we're going to relate to us, especially some of you guys might be going to nursing school right now. All the fear and anxiety that might come along with that. Family, we're going to be relate to that here today. Eight points. Isaac met with the family. You guys remember, Abraham is going to be met with family. Isaac given a promise. Isaac lies about his wife. Isaac is blessed by the Lord. Isaac herdsman call. Isaac told to fear not. Isaac covenant with Abimelech. And Isaac faced with enemies. So jump point number one. Isaac met with family. Last week, again, we learned about the birth of Jacob and Esau last week. They are grandsons of Abraham. And the, that, one, that one of the sons must be the, come from the Messiah. We found out about the birthright was actually given to Jacob, that now the Messiah is going to come from Jacob sometime in the future. But before we jump into the life of Jacob, now we see in our test here in verse 1, now there was a famine in the land. 
besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham, and Isaac went to Gerar that blemished the king of the Philistines. So some people try to say the Bible is copy stories now. Moses is copied down. Moses messed up. When, 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 he was, when he was writing down about Abraham, he copied that story and put that story on Isaac. And so some would try to say, some scholars would try to say is that they copied the same life of Abraham and placed it in the same as Isaac. They just put Isaac's name in the story down. So Isaac's Isaac life is kind of a summary of Abraham's life. They just changed names. Family, that's not true. We learned last week when Sarah, when she was barren, when Sarah couldn't have kids, what did she do? She got the maidservant, Hagar. And she told Abraham to go into Hagar and have a child. But what happened to Rebecca, Isaac's wife, when she was barren? It was something different. We learned that she did something different. Family, she went to the Lord. What did Isaac do? He prayed to the Lord. This is not a same story made up. These two different people here. We saw the faithfulness of Isaac. When Isaac and Rebecca couldn't have kids, they prayed to the Lord. They asked the Lord. And I'm probably thinking that, that Isaac learned from his father's decisions in the past. That Abraham didn't pray to the Lord. Abraham got afraid. And Abraham did the same thing his wife Sarah did. got afraid and they went into the maidservant. So this is not two stories with different names. It's two different people. Two different lives. So what happened here? It tells us that now the famine that happened. But Abraham was facing a famine in Genesis chapter 12. You guys remember that Abraham was given this land of Israel. Israel was going to be the land where the Messiah come from. And so Abraham was given this land and the Lord is saying, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to multiply your offspring. I'm going to make your name great into the land. Israel is going to be the place where the Messiah is going to come. Stay in Israel. Guess what happened when food, when a famine came? When nothing was growing, growing in the land, Abraham wanted food. They got afraid. He went to Egypt. He gave up the land of promise and went to Egypt because he was afraid. See here in the text today. Now Isaac is met with a famine. Isaac is tempted now to go to Egypt. He's tempted now to go. And family, I think Isaac is Isaac on his way to go to Egypt. He's about to do the same thing his father did. Look at verse 2. And the Lord appeared to him and said, don't go down to Egypt. <laughs> the Lord stopped him before he go. Do not go down to Egypt. What did the Lord tell him to do? Dwell in the land which I shall tell you. The Lord tell Isaac not to go to Egypt. The reason why Isaac doesn't go to Egypt because of the Lord right here. Isn't it amazing in the Christian life? Why didn't the Lord stop Abraham? Why did the Lord let Abraham go to Egypt but he stopped Isaac from going? Family, we ask the same question in the Christian life. Why, does, why do I struggle with this but this person don't? Lord, why did you allow this to happen in my life, but not in this person's life? 
why is this happening and this is happening? You might be asking those same question here, but I think that's what's happening here in this text. That God allows certain things to happen by his own wisdom. But it lets you know something here. But was going, when Abraham was going down to Egypt, God knew he was going there. When Isaac was on his way to Egypt, God knew he was going there. God knew both men what was going on in life, but God intervened on for one. Why? I think one of the reasons why is Abraham, you're not as strong as you think you are. I don't know exactly everything going on in Abraham's life. But God allowed him to go there and God allowed him to dishonor the Lord. God allowed him to do that for God to show him his own heart. Maybe the Lord uses this to humble Abraham in the midst of this. And maybe God used Isaac to show him that he will preserve him. Maybe in this season of life of Abraham, he might not need to hear perseveration. So, I mean, he might not need to hear in, the, in that moment that God is going to preserve him. But Abraham might need to hear in that moment of how long would you trust the Lord? But he probably could hear also how long God preserved as well. But we see right here, God allowed all of us to go through things. And sometimes he might not intervene. It's only by God's grace we don't repeat the same thing. Isaac was going to repeat the same thing that his dad did. He was on his way to go, but God intervened. Not because of Isaac's wisdom or Isaac's strength, it was because of the Lord. The Lord kept Isaac from not going down there. And the same thing for us, right? The same thing for us in this room. The, the, the reason why we haven't given in a certain thing is because the Lord has preserved us. It's not by your strength. You, you're on your way to do the same thing you talked about somebody else to be doing. But only because you haven't done that because the Lord, by his grace and his mercy. Number two thing we see is very similar. So we see right here that both of these guys was on the way to Egypt. God intervened for one. God allowed one to go. Second thing we see right here how Isaac is given a promise from verses 3 to 5. God tells Isaac, why not to go to Egypt? Because of the promise. That Isaac, you will be blessed. You don't have to leave this land. I will care for you. Because of the oath that our God has swore to Abraham. God is going to multiply your offspring, Isaac. Because Abraham obeyed God and kept my charge. Well, we know that Abraham didn't obey everything. But God referring to Abraham, how he believed God from Romans 4. Abraham believed God, and God counted as a righteousness. Amen. So God gave Abraham a promise in Genesis 12. Now God gave Isaac the promise, and now in Genesis 26. I'm going to bless you. That I will be with you, and we'll bless you. For to you and to your offspring, I will give these lands. God told Abraham he's going to give him this. God told Isaac he's going to give him this. God is the God of promise. And the ultimate promise for Isaac is the birth of Christ. 
The God had told Abraham he don't have an offspring. The offspring pointed to Christ. God had told Isaac he don't have an offspring which points to Christ. And Galatians 3.16 tells us this. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say into the offsprings with an S. Hmm. Referring to many, but referring to one and to your offsprings who is Christ. The offspring for Isaac is Christ. The offspring for Abraham is Christ. Both of them now we see in mirrors that both of them are in the lineage of Jesus. But not only promise, look at point number three. Isaac lies about his wife. Now we learn about the bad habits of Abraham. Uh, bad, bad habits of Abraham. Now we learn about Isaac. Now take bad habits from his dad. Abraham was it wasn't Gerar with Akim Blimelech. And what's what happened? Isaac gave, I mean Abraham gave in. And Isaac does the same thing. Look at verse 6. So Isaac settled in Gerar. When the men of the place asked him about his wife, he said, she is my sister. For he feared to say, my wife, thinking that the men of the place should kill me because of Rebecca, because she was attractive in appearance. Family, Abraham lied twice, didn't he, that we know of. But the scripture said he did it more times. He agreed that everywhere we go, we're going to lie and say that Sarah is my sister. The first time Abraham lied about him was actually in Egypt. The second time was in front of King Abimelech. And guess what Isaac do when he get afraid? He do the same thing, y'all. Isaac goes in front of the same king. Abimelech is the same king that Abraham met. The same king. And guess what Isaac do? He do the same thing his father did. Rebecca. And it says she was attractive in appearance. She was a bad chick, in the words of some of y'all. And so in here in this text right here, we see is that Isaac followed the same footsteps of his father. But can Isaac blame his father for this? He can't. Isaac gave into this. How do we know? The scripture tells us he feared. He was afraid. Isaac get afraid just like his dad. And do the same thing. That's why God told Abraham, do not fear. You don't have to be afraid during difficult times. Isaac didn't come to, Isaac didn't um, in any way show that he was stronger than his father, but he showed that he was afraid just like his father. Family, it's the same thing for us. I think we give in to shortcomings. We give in to certain things because we get afraid. We get fearful. In marriages, we get fearful. Me and my spouse will never reconcile. How would this ever happen? <clears throat> Singleness, we get fearful. Would I ever have the, the, that guy to come in my life or a girl to come into my life? We get fearful and we give in to areas. We put it in our own hands. We make a mess of it. We have counseled others in our marriages. We have counseled others in singleness. Then we go in and do the same thing they do, right? Because we get fearful. We get afraid. 
in John 14, the disciples knew everything. I mean, when I'm saying Jesus, they knew that Jesus was everything to them. But Jesus said, now I got to get ready to go away. Hmm. When Jesus said, I got to go away, because for them, Jesus was their protection. He was the one that corrected them. He was the one that walked with them. But when Jesus said he had to go away, they got afraid. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said the same thing that the Lord said here to Abraham. Hmm. He said, do not be afraid. Amen. Where did Jesus get that from? He get it from his father. He get it from the father in the Old Testament. Jesus is telling us to look back in the Old Testament. He tell Isaac, do not be afraid. He tell Abraham, do not be afraid. And all throughout the Old Testament, any all the other King David, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Look at the Psalms. Do not be afraid. Family, we give in to temptation. We give in to sin because we get afraid. Do not be afraid. What happened? The Lord protected them. The Lord protected them. The Lord provided for them. Uh, I, you didn't have to lie. You could have said as my your wife, and they still couldn't put their hands on you. Because the Lord said, He would curse those who curse you. Why? I said, Why get afraid? Rod, why do you get afraid? Hmm. He would never leave you, he never forsake you. He'll hold you up. Why get afraid? Same thing for you, Alina. Why get afraid? The Lord protects us. He keeps us. Even when we can't keep ourselves. God turns around to verse 11. So Abimelech warned all the people saying, Whoever touched this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. That was going to happen anyway. We didn't need your confirmation of Abimelech. The God already said that you don't touch this woman. You, we don't need your help in this. Isaac had to hear from this man to actually believe. Family, we don't have to hear from someone else. The Lord is going to keep us. No matter what you're going through, he's going to keep us. Because think about it. All the trials we're working through right now in our lives, say this battle that we're in, in the midst of it, that we, we feel like we're fighting every single day, he allows us to go through that. But ultimately, no, I think in 2 Chronicles, that ultimately the battle is truly is the Lord, like the song said. The battle is truly the Lord's. Amen. It is truly the Lord's. By the battle of being the Lord, we don't have to be afraid. Amen. That's the amazing thing is that you go into a fight and you already know you won. Not, not prediction, not, not going to, uh, what, what's the place here? Y'all go to, to casino. Not going there making bets and everything, like some of y'all. Not going there making bets. I'm going to guess and see who's going to win this game. No. We don't have to bet anything. We know for sure that we win. We win because Christ has already won. Amen. So we don't have to be afraid of the enemy because Christ has already won. We can walk around in victory because Christ had defeated the evil one. We can be encouraging that. We can celebrate that. That Jesus has won, and we have won with him by being in Christ. Family, why you got your head down? <laughs> the family, the Christian life is a life of victory because what Christ has done. And on that glorious day in Revelation, they said, Oh, death, oh, death, where's your sting? I don't know the rest of it. It's a good verse, but I don't know the rest of it. And it's like, where's your sting at? 
Where's your victory at, Delph? The reason why Delph don't win because Christ won already. Family, why do you have your head down? Why are you afraid? Be encouraged this morning, Lee. You don't have to walk around with your head down. Christ has already won. It's okay. Don't worry about what people say about you. Don't worry about what the world might try to bring up about you. One thing we know, what Christ has done is sealed. Amen. It is forever and ever. And no one can take us from his hands. No one. He has won the battle. And we can trust him. We can be reminded. We can walk in him. We can be with him forevermore for what he has done on the cross for us. Because of the gracious work. Oh, great, my beautiful verse. I think I read it to Elijah a while back. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him, us for, gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against the elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus, the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God. Who is indeed, Miss Dockett, interceding for us. Remember that this morning. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, shall, uh, shall tribulation, shall distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, or marriage, or singleness, anger, pride, none of that can separate us from the love of God. As it has written, for your sake we have been killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to the slaughter. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors. Family, we can conquer. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid, family. Look who's on our side. Amen. Look who's behind us right now. Look who's on our side. One thing about it is, I don't know if you saw the show, like those shows, and as a kid is getting bullied at school, then all of a sudden a whole group of other kids come around to be able to beat up the bullies. Y'all saw a show like that before? We'll forget y'all did. But, but one of the things about it, what I'm saying here is that one thing amazing, you step out there in Christ, that the strongest, right? No one can defeat him. He's right there behind us, guarding us, protecting us. We should have a little swagger about ourselves, right? We should be able to just, just you know, shut your shoulders off. You know, do your little shirt like that. I still do this. The little shimmy. There you go. We should be okay. Knowing that we win. We are conquerors in Christ. So let anybody even tell you guys. Walk around with your head down and it's okay to, to it's okay and everything to, to be fearful and all that. No. You don't have to be fearful. Look what Christ has done. Do we get sad at times? Yes. Does things not happen work in our favor? Yes, at times. That's fine. But one thing about it was that we don't lose. And I'm not talking about Joe Austin and all this other stuff and everything, all this good, good, fluffy stuff. Family, we do win. Because Christ is truly one. Amen. But also we see in point four. Isaac is blessed by the Lord. Look at verse 12 through 16. How Isaac is blessed by the Lord. That Isaac sold that sold in the land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. The Lord blessed him, and the man became rich and gained more than more until he became very wealthy. 
We now see the flourishing of Isaac. The flourishing of Abraham. Abraham had so much love he got from Egypt. In other places, Abraham was flourishing. Isaac was eating so good, y'all. Look in verse 16. They even started to envy Isaac. And Abimelech said to Isaac, Go away from us, for you are much mightier, wealthier than us, than we. Brother, you eating too good. Man, how are you going to get more wealthier than us? I'm the king, not you. Abimelech was struggling to see how Isaac was more wealthier than him. And think about it, too. This is also the land of Philistine. Later on, hundreds of years later, this is the same, same area, the Philistines, where Goliath is going to come from. This is also in the same area where you guys know a guy named Samson come from. This is in the same area right here. It's in kind of southeast Israel going towards Egypt. So Isaac was blessed, just like his father was blessed. Look at point five. Isaac heard his man quarrel. Verse 17 and 22. Isaac redid the wells, and he redid the well that was given to his father. And there was more wells there. And the men and the herdsmen quartered over these wells. Sound very familiar, doesn't it? You remember Lot? Abraham nephew? Lot herdsmen, Abraham herdsmen? What happened to them? They quartered over the land. Then Abraham and Lot came to the agreement and said, hey, we got to split. One's going to go one way, one's going to go the other way. Now we see the herdsmen is quartered here. So Isaac actually having to deal with now his herdsmen. Abraham deal with his herdsmen. And God provides for Isaac. God's going to perform provide for him just like he provided for Abraham. You know, God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So Isaac departed from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. And Isaac dug up again the wells. The same wells. Abraham had wells that he, that he cleaned up and dug up. But also now Isaac has wells. Look at point six. Isaac told to fear not. We talked about this earlier. The Lord appeared to Abraham and tells him, do not fear, be afraid. This is the same thing God, is, God told Abraham when he was fearful, what I mentioned earlier. Look at verse 23. From there he went up to Bathsheba. And the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not again. Talk about fear not earlier. Fear not again, for I am with you and will bless you and multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. He didn't have to fear because of the promise of the offspring. That Jesus is coming through Isaac's lineage and no one will be able to stop him. So Isaac didn't get afraid. It tells us in verse 25. So he built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there, Isaac's servant dug a well. That's a bad boy there. After the Lord said, don't be afraid, the brother, said, I'm, the brother built a tent right there in the midst of his enemies. Does that remind you of the Lord, the Lord is my shepherd in, mm -hmm. uh, in Psalm 23? So the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Come on now. Makes me lie down in green pastures. Leave me beside still waters. Restores my soul. Leave me in paths of righteousness for my name's sake. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Thou art with me. Thou rod and thy staff that comfort me. 
go and prepare some table before my enemies. Right there. Before the enemies, he prepares them. The brother, the Lord said, don't be afraid. And the brother pitched his tent. That's a major confidence in the Lord, isn't it? He didn't run away from these people. He pitched his tent there. He was okay. He didn't have to be afraid. Family, it's amazing how the Lord prepares the table before our enemies. Why are y'all running from your enemies? Mm. He prepared the table for them. I'm, trying, I'm not trying to make us David. We're not David. I'm Creston. You're Trey J. You're Rionica. We're not David. But we get fearful like David. And the scripture tells it right here. Enemies going to come. The Lord will turn things around and miss your enemies. What your enemies think that is going to bring harm upon you, God's going to use that to grow you. Point seven. Isaac covenant with Abimelech. Remember Abraham covenant with Abimelech. Now Isaac covenant with Abimelech. Mm -hmm. Now we see the nation know that the Lord has been with Isaac. Just like they knew that the Lord had been with Abraham when he defeated the men to, um, to get his nephew back, Lot back from the battle of the kings. So these leaders before Isaac say, saw that something special about Isaac like his father. And so what did they come out and say to Isaac? They said, please don't harm us. They became now fearful of Isaac. Please don't harm us. And what did Isaac do? Isaac make a feast, make a covenant with them. Just like Abraham makes a covenant with them. In the same place. Family. We can see that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That Isaac's life isn't too much different than his father's. That Isaac's life is not too much different from yours, Miss Kathy. From yours, Mr. Lee. Family, we all struggle. But one thing about it, though, is that the Lord don't leave us there in the midst of struggles. The Lord gives us something that no one else can ever give us. The, the struggle for Abraham and Isaac get the land. Yeah, it was a struggle. But God give them something greater. God give them an offspring. God give them Christ. Family, that's what we get. In the midst of trials, family, we get Christ. We get Christ. We get all there in Christ. And that's why the son said, I will glory in my Redeemer. I will glory in my Redeemer. Family, we get Christ. No matter what we're going through, we get all of Christ. And no one can take us away from that. So we don't need 12 or 13 more chapters in the life of Isaac. We got like 12 or 13 chapters of Abraham. We want to get like two or three chapters of Isaac. We see how this story goes here. Abraham is fragile. He failed, but the Lord grew him in his faith, and he trusted in the Lord. Isaac failed, and the Lord grew him in the faith. Family, we fail, and the Lord grows in the faith. So family, we get what Isaac and Abraham get. They get Jesus, family, we get Jesus. We have Jesus, and he's interceding for the Father for us. We talked about this morning how justification talks about our legal status before God. We go before a judge. The judge will say not guilty or guilty. 
justification before Christ, that we are not guilty. We are forever righteous before the judge. Amen. But not only that, we don't have to go back and need Christ to go back again and again and again and again. It's done. It's far done forever. But what does he do right now? What is he doing right now? He's interceding for us right now. The mind, he's pleading to the Father. Father, she do not know what she do. Father, she don't know what she's doing. Father, give her grace. Father, give her your word. Father, encourage her when she's weak yet. That's why the Spirit prays for what we ought for. The Spirit is petitioning for the Father for us. So family, in the midst of Christ is interceding for us. He's the mediator before the Father. He reminds us what the Father is doing. He reminds us of these things. So even though it's us in Christ, we're in Christ, the Son is right there interceding for us. So I the story points to Jesus. So family, let our struggles point us to Jesus. Last point, point number eight. Saw a couple of y'all blink your eyes at me. Last point. Isaac faced with enemies. There's no such thing as living out this Christian life, Elias, without haters. There's no way to live out the Christian life without enemies. Abraham had enemies, and now we see Isaac has enemies. Look at verse 34. When Esau was 40 years old, he took Judah, the daughter of Barry, the Hittite, to be his wife, and Basma, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite. And they made life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. First of all, we see here, look who Esau is marrying now. Look at the scripture in verse 34 and 35. Look who Esau marries. Esau, the son of Isaac, took a wife from the Hittite. Do he probably marry some Hittite women? Esau even was, he gave up the birthright. Now he's marrying a woman from the Hittites. He was to be a married from the believing family. Not to be unequally yoked. You guys know what that is, right? He should be married to someone that's not a believer. He should be marrying a believer. And what does he do? He's going to marry someone that's not a believer. This father revealed that Esau, right here, is not trusting the Lord. He married Judith. And he also made life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. Abraham, a lot of his struggles came from the kings that was around him. But Isaac's struggle comes in within family. You see the difference here? One enemy is from the family. One is from outside the family. But we all can say the same things. They're both from faced with enemies. Mm. Family, you're going to face enemies. You're going to face some that's going to make life bitter for you. They're going to make so many things bitter for you. They're going to make everything about themselves. You're going to be crying out. You're going to be crying out over and over again. Why got to be about you all the time? Why can't it be about me sometimes? If you feel that way, family, that's the Christian life for the rest of your life. We're always going to have someone that's going to make things better for us. It's always going to be like that in a Christian life. Why is that? Because of Genesis 3.15. 
You remember the seed of the serpent, the seed of the woman? The battle between the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman? That the, the seed of the woman is going to try to feed the seed of the serpent back and forth? They're going to fight? Because the devil, the, the Satan, do not want Jesus to come in the Old Testament. So guess what he do is that he try to marry then the people of God. So the vengeance of the people of God turn away from the Lord. So this ongoing battle back and forth, we saw with Jacob and Esau last week, the battle back and forth. We're going to learn it eventually with, with Jacob and, and Egypt later. This battle back and forth, the famine, that battle is still right here before us today. That's why family might say you guys go to church too much. You read your Bible too much. Family, the world do not want you reading your Bible. The world do not want you turning into the Lord. Why is that? Because enemies will always be here in the Christian life. Once you get rid of one enemy, another one's going to come up. Family, there's no way around it. I know you're looking forward to that day here on earth. There will be no more enemies. Family, that day is not going to exist. Only one day we're not going to be any more enemies when Christ comes back and brings in a new heaven and a new earth when all the enemies will be defeated forevermore on that glorious day when we get our heavenly bodies. That's the only time it's going to happen. By being here on this earth, it's always going to have some that's going to despise you, going to talk about you behind your back, going to mistreat you, and all these things are going to happen. But one thing about it, it will be a day when it will not happen again. But regardless of it happening right now, God turns around even enemies to use them for your good. Enemy shows us that we're prideful. Enemy shows us that we're not trusting the Lord. Enemy shows us how to be long-suffering. Family, the Lord used enemies for our good. So Lee, that boss at work, it's for your good. Ms. Dockett, that boss of your job is for your good. Jared, that boss of your job is for your good. It's all for our good. God uses enemies for our good. As we end here today, a couple applications at the end. We can learn from Isaac's life that Christians' lives will be tested just like Abraham and Isaac. We will be tested. But test doesn't make us unbelievers. But test will always be a part of the Christian life. It will grow us in our faith. So family, test we need. So regardless of how the tests or trials may look, hold on to the promise of Christ redeeming us to himself. That we will be in eternity forever. That he is steady sanctifying us at this present moment. This present moment, he's sanctifying us. Right now at this moment. It might not feel like it. You can't see it, but he's sanctifying you. Let me tell y'all a secret y'all didn't know. It. You guys are in your best season of your life right now you ever had. Doesn't feel like it, does it? It don't feel like it. Some of y'all income tests ain't here yet. Some other things that haven't happened yet. You haven't passed all your tests yet. But right now, family, you're in the best season of your life. Because God has you exactly in the season that he wants you to be in. You might not see it. You might not understand it. Just the best thing that ever could happen to you is what you're doing right now in life. Because if not, if God wanted something else better for you, something else, guess what? You have it right now. What God thinks is best for you and what God wants you to have is right now in this season of life. 
We don't see life that way, do we? We feel like something better later on down the road. When I get that Maserati, is it Bugatti, Trey J? The Bugatti or Hellcat? When I get the Hellcat, when we get these certain things, then everything is going to be good. Family, you got your best life, what God has for you right now in this certain second. What do he have for you? In the midst of struggles, in the midst of trials, he make you more like him. He exposing your sins of pornography. He's struggling your parents' sins of selfishness. Family, this is the best life we can have because he's making us more like himself. The world won't tell you that. The world said, look down the road, there's going to be something else. Yes, we got heaven coming. Family, we can enjoy it right now. What he's doing in our lives. He's doing something so special in each and every one of our lives. Again, number, application to here three. Also remember, sometimes it might not look like the promise of sanctification is happening. But I was just saying, it might not look like it. Even in this present season in life, God is moving and shaping you to be more like him. Yes, there are easy trials. Yes, there are hard trials. But all are for our good. Don't put your head down thinking that you're a failure. You're not. God is moving for your good and our good. You're not. You are born again in Christ. You are a new creation in Christ. You are born again. The old things have passed. In with the new. From you are new in Christ. So be encouraged. Lastly, Abraham's life didn't take, Abraham's life didn't look too remarkable. Neither did Isaac. Family, neither is yours, right? We don't have this remarkable life. Like, man, I defeated this or this is over. Once I worked on this part, right, by God's grace, the Lord exposed something else. Family, we look exactly how God wants us to look. As he shapes and molds us. Because God is working on us. And does the same thing for us as he does for others around us that are in Christ. So don't be so quick to count people out that might not have it all together. Don't be so quick to call people unbelievers that might not look like you. But family, they might need to be discipled by you. So show them patience. Show them kindness. And show Christ to them. But for those that are not believers... Your trials and things that you're having in your life. God is not molding and shaping you to be more like him in the midst of the old trials for those unbelievers. But through trials, God will let you know that one day death is coming. That you will be judged for your sins forevermore. That God will punish you. That you will die. And you will be punished for your sins forevermore for those that are not in Christ. So your trials are letting you know, and, and suffering in this world is letting you know that death is coming and life is for real, that you need to turn to Christ today for those that are unbelievers. But for believers, trials are for our good. Unbelievers, trials letting us know that God is going to judge the world one day, turn to him one day. See the difference? Different worldviews? That's what God does. Let me pray for us. I think we're over time. Father God, in heaven, Lord, we thank you, Lord, again for your word. How all of us in this room, Lord, our lives are up and down. 